When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new episode every day of the season. If you want to keep up to date with everything happening in the top flight of English football, then you're in the right place. Hit that subscribe button now and you won't miss a show moving forward. On today's podcast, Romelu says sorry. Lukaku placed on the naughty step at Stamford Bridge after recent comments in an interview. And now the Chelsea striker has issued a video message apologising to fans for what he said. The question is, does he mean it? Or was he forced to say sorry? We'll dive into that later, as well as whether the big man will play tonight in Chelsea's Carabao Cup semi-final first leg against London rivals Tottenham. Spurs boss Antonio Conte returning to the bridge for the first time since leaving Chelsea. And the Italian allegedly still isn't clear on his side's approach to the January transfer window. More on that suggestion and that game shortly. Plus, Sholak has gone marching into Southampton. The Serbian media mogul has bought 80% of the Premier League club for £100 million. But what does this mean for the future of Southampton? I'm Niall. Welcome along to the show. This is Football Social Daily. And joining me today, we've got Ian Brandon. Happy New Year, Ian. Happy New Year. Yes, here we are back for another uh, year of um, newness, except with the same things. Oh, I mean, talking of the same things, you haven't uh, picked out any New Year's resolutions then by the sounds of it. No, I don't really go for New Year's resolutions. I've, I've realised that sort of by this stage of the year, it only leads to disappointment because you can't stick to them. So I'm just <laughs> what, excited. Five days the, in? Yeah. I, by this stage I, of the year, five days in? <laughs> that, well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, dry January lasted until about, what, three minutes past midnight. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the you know I think everything gets bogged down I think getting into Christmas doesn't it you sort of concentrate on getting presents and all planning and all these parties and all these things that you have to go to the pressure of well, that uh, must have been you know all that one. and then you know get into the new year and it's you know the, the whole new year is 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 fresh and you know look forward to all, all that's to come. We've got a great soundbite from this podcast already. Ian Brennan lasts three minutes. That's all we need to put out. And uh... hey, listen, that, I'll take that. It's it's, it's, it's not great on the previous <laughs> <laughs> we've also got sports socials joel tudor happy new year to you as well joel what about you can you 
can you proclaim to do something that Ian hasn't and provide us with some new year's resolutions <laughs> um, i don't know about three minutes but um yeah it's nice fresh morning i think what was my, one of my resolutions was um to eat less crap and then three minutes past midnight we had a doner kebab so yeah i'm in the same boat as Ian. exactly this is it it's pointless it's pointless the, the whole new year thing sets you up for a fall people saying i'm doing dry january and they're absolutely baked at midnight <laughs> celebrating new year you've already broken your resolution at the stroke of midnight <laughs> everyone knows it only counts on new year's day onwards or, or, or <laughs> as far as my case it began yesterday um as you say you've got a very good point um speaking of january it's going to be a tough january for Chelsea they have some massive games including one tonight against Tottenham in the Carabao Cup semi-finals it's the first leg taking place this evening at Stamford Bridge but we'll come on to that shortly because first we're going to take a look at Romelu Lukaku yesterday we mentioned him on the podcast after some interesting comments in an interview with Sky Sports Italy about his time at Chelsea so far the Blues paid £95 million for him in the summer he's only been there four months and it already sounded like he wanted out of the club Since then, he's issued an apology via the Chelsea social media channels and he said to the fans that he really is sorry for his recent comments in that interview. First and foremost, Joel, do you think that was the right thing to do for Romelu Lukaku to come out and say sorry because there's no question that he did upset a number of Chelsea fans with what he said? Well, I'm I'm 100% positive that he's not come out and apologised on his own back. 100%. I mean, judging by the reaction of Thomas Tuchel, of all the Chelsea fans, the media. This was something that has caused, I'm sure, a big backlash, not only just for what we can see, but also in the in the uh, amongst the squad as well. I imagine that a lot of his teammates are looking at him in a different way following that interview. Obviously, for people who've not seen it, it was pretty much Lukaku just flirting with Inter Milan again about wanting to go back and how much he loved his time in Italy um, and how beautiful the San Siro's pitches and the grass smells so fresh like Amarena cherries I mean he, he was dying to go back apparently in this interview and let's not forget he's just joined Chelsea not around six months ago for a hundred million pounds uh, so it's quite for me it was very strange and I've got a few friends in Milan who are into supporters and I asked them what they think about it and they were pretty much on the fence a little bit because obviously he's very much an icon in Milan I would say purely because he brought back the Scudetto to Milan uh, after 10 years and they're the idolising they put murals around in Milan he's probably the biggest striker that they've loved since Adriano back in 05 um, but they think it's very circumstantial in terms of would he come out and said this interview if his situation at Chelsea was a little bit different for me when I saw the interview I didn't think it was that bad because uh, he obviously had been out with an injury for quite a while he just come back into the side pretty briefly but it seems as though there's more than meets the eye but um I think in that video, he looked like he was being held hostage. I'm pretty sure there was about five Russian guys holding a shotgun to his head saying, read the script. I don't <laughs> want to hear no Milan. I don't want to hear no Inter talk in this interview. Um, but he's Roman Abramovich behind the camera. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he's got all of his uh, wingmen and hitmen out there. But I think um, he was 100% forced and I think it was needed because he doesn't... I think Thomas Tuchel is also protecting Lukaku's interests. He doesn't want the situation to just be ended on him making comments on Lukaku in an inter- in a press conference and the Chelsea fans literally mauling him when he comes back to Stamford Bridge. He wants to nip it in a bud. Uh, but 
you know, it's not the first time Lukaku's done something stupid like this. I remember at Manchester United when he leaked, he leaked the uh, United speed sheet of all the, the players when they just came back from pre-season. I think it embarrassed a few of them. Um, and, you know, it, it just creates unnecessary spotlight. But the the thing that made me most surprised about it was the fact that a return was never, ever on the cards. Because when Inter actually let him go, it was because the owner, Steven Zhang, who's um, the shareholder and the owner of the Suning Group in China, who, you know, they can be under financial difficulties for the last two years. Uh, he had to offload, obviously, the likes of Conte, Hakimi Ashraf, uh, and Lukaku, obviously, for 100 million because they needed to raise funds. So it was never on the cards for a return regardless. So that's why I'm so surprised that five months, six months into his multi, probably one of the biggest contracts Chelsea have ever handed out. I'm so surprised that he's come out with it now of all times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a massive story. I think it's a bit of a storm in a teacup situation where, you know, he's nipped it in the bud now, it's fine. But I mean, it clearly shows you that there's, an agenda there for Lukaku he's not happy with the situation but like the people I've been speaking to in Italy they think it's very very circumstantial and of course he wouldn't have come out with his interview if he wasn't happy if he was happy with the with the situation at Chelsea well we mentioned this on yesterday's podcast we said that it's a bit strange that Lukaku doesn't seem happy and he actually threw Thomas Tuchel under the bus and said that the system doesn't suit him and he's not enjoying his time at Chelsea and sometimes you see these interviews done in a foreign language they can be misquoted and mistranslated but it's not like he's been terrible since he's arrived at Chelsea he did go through a bit of a goal drought but also he was injured for about six weeks he scored goals um, in recent games as well he scored against Aston Villa he scored against Arsenal he started the season well so it's not like he's been a complete flop so that's an interesting narrative how about you Ian what's your take Joel says that it felt a little bit forced and that maybe Roman Abramovich was kind of in his ear as if to say you need to apologize here Romelu do you think it felt sincere what's your take my name is Romelu Lukaku I am here to say that I am safe I have been fed my captors are treating me very well. It, it was it was very much like that. I mean, he, he like a hostage he, video, <laughs> a little bit, but it was like it obviously was you know staged, um, forced as part of the apology. Um, you know, maybe part of the humiliation, if if you will, to be sort of paraded in in front of uh, the fans to sort of be forced to apologise rather than just hide behind a statement. So I kind of see probably where they're coming from with it but to me it, it sort of posed more questions than it did answers you know he's, he's sort of digging himself even deeper into what was already a fairly large hole in in parts of it and he's sort of saying well you know it wasn't the right time I shouldn't have said that then but he hasn't really fully apologized he's sort of standing by what he said in parts of his new statement where he's come to clear the air by basically saying well yeah I kind of did mean bits of it but I shouldn't have said it you know what I mean? Mm. So it's not like he's been misquoted or yeah. or denying any of it. And I don't know. But then when you, I've just watched the um, the original video that, that this all stemmed from again. And you know, watching that where he's sort of saying, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry to go from Inter Milan and all that." He's he's sort of similarly as um, you know fake or vague on that as well and yeah he's saying all these wonderful things but if you're an Inter Milan fan watching that do you believe him you know back then do you believe that he really wants to come back and all this I don't know is he just saying what he thinks people want to hear 
Well, it's interesting sort of... for me because we often talk about how footballers are boring and bland in post-match interviews and they never speak their mind, whereas this seems a case of someone who does speak their mind and is quite happy to stand by it, as you said. So I guess in an element, it's kind of refreshing, but I guess you could also argue it's only refreshing when the player says what you want to hear and this wasn't the case for Chelsea fans. Well, that's it, you know, and is is. It's it's a question. Is he saying what he's hoping the fans of that club want to hear? Because he's he's doing an interview with um, you know Inter Milan uh, you know Milan journalists for Inter Milan fans. Is he wanting to sort of play to that crowd, um, but just being a bit thick and not thinking that actually this is going to get translated and people around the world are going to listen to it and and say what I've said. Um, or or are those his genuine views? I mean, but on the other hand, what's what's the harm in in a player maybe saying what their ambitions are? <laughs> you know, we all we've all worked in jobs where we've we know we've not minded the job and enjoyed the job, but it's not our dream job, and we have got better. To be fair, though, aims. Lukaku has said this is his dream dream club, ah. and then five months later, yes. Inter Milan is suddenly the dream club. Ah, yeah. Well, there is yeah. that, and he even mentioned clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona in that interview <laughs> as well. So it all seems a little bit. I just, I just to do, me, it's a bit. Do you know strange. what? I just think he's a bit dense. You know that uh, that he's just he just doesn't think these things through. I think that's where it is. He's just bibbling on about all these great things and you know verbal diarrhea coming out of him, and he doesn't think of the impact that that has with fans. I think that's all it is. And yeah, I just I just think it. You know, footballers they're not known for being you know regular members of Mensa, are they? And I think this is probably the thing. He's a fantastic footballer. The only way he can apologise for this is to have a storming yeah. rest of the season and starting with tonight, of course, which we'll talk about later. Do you think we will, though, Ian? Do you think we'll see a more determined Lukaku after this? Because Joel made an interesting point suggesting that some people are arguing that an apology wasn't even really necessary because Thomas Tuchel was keen to nip it in the bud in a press conference, but Chelsea have gone ahead and said no we need to do a video apology and Lukaku has done one we don't know whether that's off his own back or whether he was asked to by the club and the powers that be but do you think that now off the back of this we will see a more determined Romelu Lukaku because the way he's impacted games recently coming off the bench um, I can think in particular that game around Christmas against Aston Villa where he came on at half time and just completely bulldozed uh, his way through the Villa defence he bullied Tyro Mings who's a full England international um, do you think we will see now a Lukaku with a bit more grit and determination to kind of prove those critics wrong? Well, it's going to have to because I think with, you know, if if you're a player and you put yourself in this position, I mean, Lukaku, I mean, I last, last time I saw Lukaku play, he was playing for Everton against Sunderland, which tells you how long ago it was. And he was not, and it was a, it was a game Everton needed to win. He just was not interested. And of course, Shortly after that, he went to um, Manchester United, I think, um, and yeah, maybe that deal was already, you know, done um, and and couldn't be bothered. And you know, he does seem to be a little bit moody when it comes to that kind of thing. And uh, you know, one of these players that plays on his own terms. But if you've managed to get yourself in a position where you're valued by a club at a hundred million quid, you know, great responsibility surely comes with that. And you know. He can't be let off the hook in the same way or in a different way to say a, a, a youngster would be who would be slagging Chelsea off because they'd be straight out. So obviously Chelsea need to protect their investment, but to also um, be an example to the younger players in the side, they've got to make an example of him some way. And the only way he can now show, you know, I'm sure the conversation somewhere on the line is, look, 
We've paid 100 million quid for you. You are one of the highest paid footballers in the world at this club right now. Stop touting yourself about for better gigs because you've got a good gig, right? Start delivering on the pitch. That's what they you know, surely that has been a conversation from Tuchel. We need you. Because if they didn't if they weren't interested in him, they would they've got their perfect out now, haven't they? They can offload him in in this transfer window right now. I think part of it is that you know, Lukaku knows that he's Chelsea's best forward player. He knows that. And I think that that's why yeah. he feels he can get away with saying some of the things he said. And, you know, Thomas Tuchel, you're right, had to make an example of him. And he dropped him for the Liverpool game, which finished 2-2. But that was one of the biggest games of Chelsea's season. But now you look at the month ahead, which we'll come on to when we talk about tonight's game between the Blues and Tottenham in the Carabao Cup. They've got those two legs of that semi-final against Spurs. Then they've got Spurs in the Premier League. They've got a Premier League game against Man City. They've got the Club World Cup. They need Romelu Lukaku. So I think it's important that this situation does get sorted out sooner rather than later. And that appears to have been the case as Lukaku has issued a video apology via the Chelsea social media channels. Do you believe him? That's the question. Why don't you let us know on our social media channels at the Sports Social on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official at Sports Social Official. And if you're on Facebook, just search in the search bar for Sports Social and you'll find us there. Time to move on now and we'll have a quick break before we talk about Southampton, who have got new owners in town. A Serbian businessman, Dragan Sholak, has bought the club. We'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social and Southampton have new owners in town. Serbian media mogul Dragan Sholak has bought an 80% stake in the club. The previous shareholder was a Chinese businessman called Zhao Jisheng who was looking to sell the club for a number of years. It was around about the time, I think 2017, when he first went into the South Coast club and invested and the Chinese government were at the time keen for their business people to invest in overseas sports clubs Um, and that plan has kind of deteriorated over time and so he's actually been looking to sell the club for about three or four years. He's not invested much money but now he's sold his 80% share to a Serbian media mogul, Mr Sholak. Now, Southampton are tipped to become a Red Bull-style club after this takeover, which is worth £100 million, Joel. Do you think that will work in the Premier League, having a a Red Bull-style club, or do you think it will fall through? Wow, one club for one Jack Grealish. Crazy, isn't it, how football's going? But um, yeah, I think as we've seen with previous clubs, it's never good to have an owner latching on when he wants to sell the club. As we've seen, you know, with Mike Ashley for so many years and many, many other owners, when he wants to sell, he's not going to put any more investment as he would do if he wanted to keep it. So I think first and foremost, it's great news for Southampton fans because now they're going to get owners who are actually there for the long term and actually want to invest in the side rather than an owner who's trying to actively pull the plug and doesn't really want to put any money in his own pocket because, well, it's pretty logical, isn't it? If you want to get rid of a club, you're not going to keep putting millions and millions into it when you're not going to get much of it back. Um, But looking at the, the forefront of the actual acquisition itself, you've got the holding group Sport Republic who are looking to build a portfolio similar to how Sheikh Mansour kind of built up his city group 
obviously he's bought Manchester City and then kind of extended his branches into New York City, Melbourne City. Um, I think he's got one in China or potentially India. Um, they're constantly branching out and making the portfolio bigger and bigger and that's proven to be a massive success obviously they've got a huge amount of money to invest into that however it's proven to be a success just because not only are they spreading the brand but they're also able to just cherry pick any talented players which have kind of come through i think uh, angelino was one who came uh, through the city system as well and obviously he's at new york red bulls now uh, sorry um uh, leipzig so I think the key for success when it comes to, you know, these recruitments, these owners playing Monopoly with the little Monopoly money <laughs> is um, you need to have good recruitment. And with Southampton, they were, if we don't forget, they were really impressive when they had Pochettino. Every single acquisition was so well thought out when they had, you know, obviously a great, they have the amazing youth academy full stop in terms of bringing through, you know, Luke Shaw, Oxlade-Chamberlain was there for a period and needless to say, they have brilliant players coming through. Um, but the recruitment was just absolutely spot on and it seemed to kind of disappear once Pochettino left. Obviously, the appointment of Pochettino was an amazing recruitment in itself, but it seemed to kind of lose sight a little bit and I think now that they've got owners who actually have a long-term vision um, and they're there for the long run to build a big portfolio obviously they're a, a group with a plan which is a very different situation with uh, with regards to Newcastle who seems to just be throwing money at everything and anything at the moment um, so I think it's, it's, it's good for Southampton fans I think they should be happy it's not going to be the kind of Newcastle takeover where they can throw multi-million 30 40 50 million pound signings because that's not going to be the case but i think for a team like southampton it just needs to have a very well thought out strategy which of course has been lost with an owner who wants to sell for so many years now um but i think it's, it's good news going forward just because now they have people football people who actually want the best for the club and it's in their own best interest as well to get the most out of it yeah i think it's a good point you raise and actually i'm glad that you've likened it to Newcastle or suggested that it's dissimilar to Newcastle because I think it comes down to the expectations of fans because there's no doubt this is an exciting time Ian for supporters of Southampton seeing a new owner come in someone who has um, had good press and you know it's never always like that when someone comes in to take over a football club and you know it's suggested that things will stay pretty similar for the immediate term how do you think the takeover will change expectations for the fans or, or will it at all because it's easy to get carried away when someone with money comes into the club as we've seen with Newcastle United but it isn't always as simple as that more often than not if it's a quiet takeover I think that's probably one of the better ones rather than one of these with all the guns and whistles and fans dancing around outside the uh, stadium with their shirts off which is not going to happen at this time of year surely with the best one in the world um, as with Newcastle though you know the whole the whole story and the whole sideshow if you like of the takeover it probably detracted from what was actually happening or not with with the team you know at the time um i think you know southampton yeah they're not pulling up many trees but they're not doing badly in the premier league at the moment you know i think many many teams would certainly take where they are in the table at the moment and you know ticking over nicely we spoke about this actually you know a few weeks ago we talked about 
um, Southampton, as I recall, and I don't think either you two guys were actually on this particular podcast when we're talking about them, but we're saying that, you know, Southampton, for the amount of time that they've been in the Premier League, you would expect them to be a little bit regularly further up the table, if you know what I mean, not sort of dicing in that sort of uh, mid-table obscurity, flirting with relegation briefly at some point in the season, but usually pulling themselves uh, clear more often than not. Um, and the fact and that they're not beat really nine nil on a regular basis. Well, yeah, oh, no, that's why we're talking about it. We're saying <laughs> because Leeds got stuffed, didn't they? By uh, by Man City, that was it. Leeds got stuffed, and we're saying you know most teams will take a pound in at one point in in the in the season in that half of the table. And look at Southampton. You know they usually get battered by somebody, but usually more often than not they're fine. But how they're not really built on that 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 they, they, they hadn't really pushed into the be regular top half finishes or be flirting with the top six by now. Which for the amount of time that Southampton have been in the Premier League you'd think that you know you'd be looking to progress a little bit and maybe this change of ownership will help fund that because i know some of the people involved in it have have had experience of um running football clubs with like brentford and brentford um as we're seeing in the premier league are, you know steady away you know they they they're gradually they're getting there they're not sort of spending ridiculous money and building it. And I think if you spend time building and, you know, Leicester have been used as a good uh, model of a, of a club as well. You know, you build gradually, slowly, but surely, but heading in the right direction with the right people. You can do it because Leicester have proved that you can win the Premier League without spending absolute billions on on players. Not to say that they haven't spent money, but, you know, nonetheless, you know what I mean? They're not paying £100 million for Romelu Lukaku to come along and slag your club off. So, um you know, I don't know, time will tell, but it looks like it's not a hostile sort of takeover. They're kind of being welcomed by the fans. Um, a bit of stability, I think, would, would be as good as anything else at this moment in time for, for Southampton to continue what they're doing. Um, you know, Hassan Hassan has, uh, has done a reasonably decent job, I think, in many people's opinion. Um, and just keep keep heading in the right direction. Um rather than any sort of... I think what they know... Southampton fans will be happy because they know that he's got a decent amount of money in his back pocket. Not to say he's going to spend it all at once, but they know that this is an owner who's got cash, and I think that's probably peace of mind. Obviously not going to spend it straight away, this transfer window, I want to thought. But um, they know that they've got the the financial support there rather than an owner coming in who looks like an asset stripper. You know, which which uh, you know, if <laughs> if you've had Ken Bates mm. running your club, then uh, you'll know what I mean. Yeah, we had multiple asset strippers and crooks running our club, Portsmouth. So I know exactly what you're talking about there, Ian. Uh, in terms of that transfer kitty or budget or or whatnot, I don't think we'll see it this January, as you suggest. But some of those involved in this deal were involved with Brentford in the past, and there's links to FC Mitchelland, who are almost like a sister club of Brentford and Brentford have been applauded for their business model Joel it seems as if Southampton can get back to that top recruitment that they had before like you mentioned if they continue with the the Brentford model so in terms of coming in and spending loads of money like we're expecting the Saudis to do at Newcastle United it doesn't feel like it'll be there it feels like it'll be certainly a more stringent approach when it comes to looking for new players yeah and I prefer that to be honest because sometimes I kind of think of Newcastle's strategy to how QPR used to do it obviously they didn't have the the biggest budget but I remember Tony Fernandez and Harry Redknapp would just go out and buy the kind of best player from the mid-table sides like Chris Samba and all these different plays and they ended up going down with a crazy amount of huge contracts. But 
I think the key for this, and like Ian mentioned, Leicester are the best inspiration and example for every for every club kind of aspiring to kind of take the next step in the league. The only way these clubs can even compete with the likes of Chelsea, City, United, Liverpool, etc., is to gain an upper hand in recruitment. That's the only way they can do it because they can't compete on a financial front because, I mean, these clubs are owned by states pretty much. You can't compete with that. But you can compete with them in the recruitment department and that's where you can gain the upper hand. And we saw it, like you mentioned, with Pochettino where I don't know if they finished around sixth or seventh that season and they played some of the best football in the league that year and they were so impressive. And we saw that, by the way, the whole team kind of got dismantled in that summer where majority of the players were going to Liverpool, United, Arsenal for multi-million pound deals. And that's where you get the best out of your club. And I think it's been neglected massively over this last six years with the owner obviously wanted to pull the plug but obviously with this new ownership Mitchland they've been in the Champions League consecutively um, <clears throat> consecutively for years now they've got a number of players who have gone to big money moves yeah, overall over Europe to Napoli to South uh, to Leicester all these different clubs um, and obviously Brentford they're now in the Premier League and they look like they're doing it way way differently to the rest of the promoted sides just in terms of the way they're approaching it and obviously they didn't spend a huge amount when they came up, but they're looking to be the most effective promoted side. And that, again, is testament to the recruitment. So if this firm, obviously this is like the first step into their venture, so to say, with acquiring all these different football teams, like they're doing a house on Monopoly, um, it could all go to pot. They might not know what they're doing. It's kind of like their first outing into this sort of area obviously there are there are sports agencies so they've, they've been in it for years but i'm talking about you know obtaining all these clubs and managing all these clubs i don't know how much investment they're going to put into it but of course it's in their own best interest but i think that the most investment is and should uh, go towards that recruitment area because that's where you can gain the real upper hand in the league and as we've seen with leicester as we've seen with so many other teams who've started to, like West Ham for example all it takes is good in, good recruitment good investment in that area and you can really start to gain momentum and close the gap a little bit on the better sides in the league yeah interestingly enough um, the 20% that's left over is still owned by the German businesswoman Katarina Liebherr and the 80% as I say is bought by Dragan Scholak who is a media mogul in Serbia. He owns the rights to show Premier League games in the Balkan region, so he certainly has an interest in the division. There's no uh, doubt about that. The other name who's previously involved in Brentford is Dane Ankerson, who um, was in charge of transfers at Brentford, and they don't seem to have gone too badly for the bees over the years. Southampton, uh, 80% of the club has been bought for £100 million, so we'll follow that one uh, as the weeks progress and see how that one goes. But it's back to the action on the field next here on Football Social Daily. It's the Carabao Cup semi-finals tonight and Chelsea play Tottenham. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. And if you're a fan of other sports, you can check out our offerings on the Sports Social Podcast Network. All you need to do is go to our website, sport-social.co.uk, and hit the podcast tab at the top of the page. And there is a whole roster of great podcasts for you from a range of different sports for you to get stuck into. You can also find all of those podcasts on all of your regular podcast platforms. Time to talk about the Carabao Cup semi-finals which begin tonight. Chelsea play Tottenham at Stamford Bridge this evening. Liverpool uh, and Arsenal are due to square off as well but Liverpool have called for that game to be postponed due to a rising number of coronavirus positives in their group. We'll talk about that more likely tomorrow as that game could well be called off. But for now, it's Chelsea against Tottenham. We spoke about the big man earlier on in the podcast, Ian, Romelu Lukaku. Will he play tonight after he was dropped by Thomas Tuchel for one of the biggest games of the season recently against Liverpool? He's issued this apology. Do you think we'll see him back in the squad this evening against Spurs? Um, well, I think it's the kind of game that um, you would expect to see him in in uh, an ordinary time. You know, a player who has not played recently looking to you know, make their way back into the um, first choice for the you know big upcoming Premier League matches uh, that Chelsea have got on their plate. Um if he's done that apology, you you think that he's got to be in contention, hasn't he? He's got to be in contention. This is a big match, a lot riding on it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot riding on it more than just the local rivalry and the Premier League rivalry and, and the London rivalry as well. Of course, you've got the Antonio Conte and Chelsea beef um, still bubbling away in the background <laughs> yeah. as well, which I've just been reading about. It's absolutely staggering that... Um, it was a big falling out, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's sort of, Daily Telegraph have, have subbed it down to this, right? So they've they've um, got a big, massive article on it today. Um, but in in a nutshell, if you're not sure of how much beef there is between Antonio Conte and Chelsea, um, he cost Chelsea 26 million quid in a divorce settlement um, when they fired him. So there's going to be lots of awkward. Um, <laughs> nods and glances tonight they're predicting uh, the Ritz-Carlton Millennia Hotel in Singapore is where it all started to go wrong they're on their pre-season tour Antonio Conte fueled by two shots of super strength espresso <laughs> went, bon- <laughs> went bonkers in an interview and uh, revealed that he wanted to sign Kyle Walker this was shortly before he was signed to Man City for 50 million quid on top of that he also made clear his admiration for Harry Kane and how they should be signing him but instead um, obviously and that didn't happen either and uh, they'd um, Chelsea had just then spaffed a record figure on uh, Morata uh, he then was given the silent treatment following the cup success during the summer in which they eventually sacked him. They offered him no congratulations and left him in the dark over his future. And in the end, it took two lawsuits against Chelsea, one for unfair dismissal, another for wages he believed he was owed under the terms of his contract, of which Conte won and cleaned him out for 26 million quid. So um, I'm not sure it's going to be a <laughs> particularly convivial place. The director's lounge, perhaps, later on uh, tonight. At uh, at the uh, where they're playing is it Tottenham Stamford at home? Bridge. Stamford, Stamford Bridge. Bridge. Oh, Stamford Bridge. Oh, blimey! Yeah, God, crikey! Sheesh. Yeah, first yeah. first return. time he's been back there. First time yeah. he's been back there since everything went down. Yeah, as, as you would say. Um, I, I, I just hope they've got the espresso machine on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's interesting you talk about Conte's approach to transfers in that interview and how things broke down because allegedly Joel he's still awaiting to hear the club's January plans. There was supposed to be a meeting yesterday between. 
Antonio Conte, Fabio Paratici, who's the managing director of football at Tottenham, and of course Daniel Levy, who'll be the man who eventually parts with the cash if there are any signings. We're already five days into the transfer window. Is this not a meeting that should have been happening a month ago so Tottenham can iron out their plans uh, for this month and who they might want to sign? It, It seems unusual that they've left it till well a week into the window to have any sort of talks about it yeah I just want to say when Ian said two cups of fueled I thought it was going to say tequila or something where I'd be like all right that's fine but (laughs) (laughs) just espresso wow an Italian really gets off on espresso (laughs) Um, but no in 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 January well like you mentioned Antonio Conte is pretty characteristic for falling out over transfers I think that's one of the main reasons why he actually didn't go to Tottenham in the summer, just because it didn't seem to be any guarantees that he would get what he wants in terms of recruitment. Uh, it's one of the main reasons why he left Inter Milan when he had a falling out with uh, Steven Zhang, just because they wanted to progress after winning the Scudetto and he didn't um, have any funds for him to carry on that. So obviously that's why all their main stars left. That's why Lukaku's at Chelsea. That's why Conte's at Spurs now. But it will be interesting to see how Daniel Levy approaches this because, you know, I know that they probably do have the money to actually push the boat out a little bit, but it's there's, there's a difference between pushing the boat out and pushing the boat out to Antonio Conte's demands because, as Ian's mentioned, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's probably true about him wanting Harry Kane and wanting all these different players because he demands that, well, I think we saw after they got dumped out of... Um, the Europa Conference League, not prior to the actual default 3-0 loss. I can't remember which team it was now, but they got beat away from home. And, you know, Conte was quite worried that he realised that the quality of the side isn't what he actually thought it was. And that kind of probably sent alarm bells ringing down Daniel Levy's spine because I bet his wallet was stinging after those comments because he knew that he'd be knocking on his door in the next month. So I think Conte, if he wants to mould this side into what he sees it can be. That's the only reason why he's took the Tottenham job. And I'm sure he will have received assurances prior to him joining that he will get players that he's looking for. Because don't don't forget, the moment that that isn't approved and the moment that the club don't back him, he'll leave. And there's there's no two ways about it. It's, it's, it's got a track record of it. At Inter Milan, at Chelsea, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's at Tottenham because the contract's very short. So if Daniel Levy doesn't want to back him the way he wants to be backed, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up leaving in the summer just because the assurances weren't met, similar to how seemingly Harry Kane's assurances weren't met uh, last summer as well. So it will be very interesting to see how it plays out. I don't expect massive transfers from Tottenham just because as as we've seen in many transfers in January, it doesn't seem to be a time where many clubs want to let go of players. And if they do, it's usually for a stupid fee or because they want to leave. It's never really a case of going for their first choice unless it you know they randomly come available. So I'll be very interested. There's a lot of... Sp- gaps in that Tottenham side that need to be replaced and improved big time if Conte is to do it but when you look at the league table with where Tottenham are as well I mean they're undefeated since he started which is pretty impressive considering how poor they were under Nuno but if he wants to go to the next level he needs to be backed and I 
I don't believe that's going to be the case at Tottenham, to be honest. Well, they're sixth at the moment in the Premier League, 33 points, just two points off of Arsenal in fourth, but they have played two games fewer than their North London rivals, which means that if they win those two games in hand, um, they could well leapfrog both West Ham and Arsenal into fourth place. Manchester United also possibly iron up um, one of those Champions League spots, despite the fact they're not in the greatest uh, of form in terms of consistency across the season. So still all to play for. And when it comes to Spurs, Conte has revealed, Ian, that coronavirus or COVID-19 will have no impact on January dealings when it comes to finance. So how close are Spurs to being a top four side now that they have Conte? We, we talk about where they are in the league. They're two points off fourth with two games in hand. You know, they've got Conte, which is obviously an X factor for them. Are they a couple of decent signings away as well, perhaps, from being a regular top four contender again? I mean, really, they should be top four already. You know, it's just they had a slow start to the season, of course, with Harry Kane taking forever to score a goal and seems to have had some issues with that. But they do seem to be getting back now. And when you look at the stats again, I remember last season we were saying, you know, Son and Kane were the two sort of um, stand out forwards in, in the Premier League and you looked at the stats and they just outperformed everybody. Um, they do seem to be getting their act together on that front again now, slowly but surely. Um, I think, they need, you know, people think that you get a new manager in and immediately everything's going to change and we know that's actually not the case. It does take a long time, a season or two or three before things really start to click. We know that Conte can do it. You know, he's done it in multiple countries. And, and we know that given the backing and given the time, he'll do the same at Tottenham. Surely he will, because the Tottenham team isn't bad. They've got some good players. Um, yeah, strengthening it is always going to help. But I think they don't need to... They don't need to go bonkers in the in the transfer window. They're not doing a full rebuild here. They've got some, you know, top internationals. Um, I think consistency is probably the most important thing for, for Tottenham now and keep cracking on in, in the right direction. But, you know, a couple of points off it at the moment. Of course, they're top four contenders, um, especially when you see Man United and teams like that and Arsenal being indifferent. And we know that they can do it on their day, but similarly, they can toss it away as well consistency is key keep grinding out those one nil boring wins <clears throat> and um they'll be there or thereabouts you know without a shadow of a doubt I, I i have no fear for tottenham i think they will be there come the end of the season well these two sides are going to be sick of the sight of each other by the end of january they've got these two carabao cup games both legs of the semi-final of the competition of course including the first leg which is tonight and then there's a premier league game with spurs there's a premier league game with man city which is obviously huge in the context of the title race and then they go off to the club world cup in early february they don't even know their opponents for that game yet so where does this first leg rank, Joel, for you in terms of priorities for Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea with those fixtures in mind? It is a massive month for them. Yeah, actually, I totally forgot about the Club World Cup. They've had to push it forward because usually it's in December, isn't it? But obviously with COVID, it's probably not allowed it. But um, I think t Chelsea as a club in this last month, it's just not been a good time for Tuchel. And I think this is probably why the Lukaku situation has just tipped him over the edge a little bit because, like you mentioned, they're not in the best form in the league at the moment. They've It all stemmed from that Manchester United draw at home in November and they've just not really been able to regain that really amazing form that they started to produce at the start of the season. And then obviously when you have your £100 million striker flirting with 
an Italian journal not actually with the journalist <laughs> I don't know if that was his <laughs> if that was his uh his agenda but with the club um then you know there's problems and when you mentioned the games coming up obviously you've got Tottenham in the Carabao Cup then you've got Chelsea away uh, sorry Chelsea at home then Manchester City away Tottenham at home I mean these are pivotal games for Tuchel in terms of how Chelsea's outlook to this season is going to be because if they start, if they, for example, get a negative result tonight, there's going to be a lot of pressure going into that Manchester City game away, where City have only lost one game at home in God knows how many games. And if City do end up winning that Premier League game, the title's gone for Chelsea. They're totally out of it. They're going to have to focus on retaining their top four position. And then they're going to need Lukaku back on side in terms of actually putting in a shift for them. Otherwise... I think the hole's just going to be dug even deeper. And I do definitely believe that if Tuchel doesn't start him tonight, then Tuchel's creating bigger problems for himself than he needs to. Because I think if he ends up leaving him out or puts him on the bench, it's needless now. It's the, the situation's done. He's you know he's, he's had a gun to his head. He's done his hostage video and just play him. So um, I don't know how, what more you want to do, dangle him like, outside a swimming pool or something and plead him <laughs> like to death. Like Michael Jackson know. with that baby over the balcony. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you, might, you might need uh, some weightlifters to get Lukaku yeah, over there. Yeah, struggle to hold Lukaku for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's diff- difficult. Come on then, just to finish off the podcast, let's if we're all Thomas Tuchel, let's close our eyes, put a baseball cap on and put a Chelsea coat on and pretend we're Thomas Tuchel. What order are we putting these in, in order of importance? What do you reckon, Ian? Uh, the games with Spurs in the Premier League, the games with Spurs in the Carabao, the game with Man City and then the Club World Cup. So you're talking four different occasions. What's the order? What's the order in terms of importance for you? I think the the, the Club World Cup is probably more important to fans than it, I think it is for the club. You know, I think it's a bit of a bit of a novelty, isn't it? Uh, a bonus it's nice it's like to win the charity it, but shield isn't exactly it? it's the it's the international charity shield basically and whilst it's nice to have and say we're world champions it doesn't really count for much does it because you know it's, it's it nobody really gets that excited about it it doesn't draw massive viewing figures i, I think um i think the you know the, the premier league surely has got to be the, the first concern that's that's the big one um and well that and the champions league surely are the you know the, the the main priorities for Chelsea. I think everything else is nice to have, but if you don't have it, then well, it's no it's no big shakes. Um, well, as we've seen, you know, winning the FA Cup um, doesn't actually save you, at Chelsea, uh, as 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 Conte um, can can verify. <laughs> So there'll be many people listening to this podcast who'll be shaking their head and tutting whether they're listening on the tube, on the tram, or just at home. And they'll be going, well, actually, Niall, the most important game is the next one. And that game is tonight against Tottenham in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. It's the first leg. We don't know whether Lukaku will play, but whatever happens this evening, we'll talk about it on tomorrow's Football Social Daily. That's it from us today. Ian, Joel, thanks for your company. I'll leave you to go off and devise some New Year's resolutions and see if they last longer than three days. (laughs) That's it from us. We'll catch you next time. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.